Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. As an individual who works with senior leaders who have realized that a coaching approach to driving performance is the only way their business will prosper in a world forever changed by COVID-19, Matt Summers helps you learn the principles and techniques of coaching if you don't have the patience for lengthy courses and qualification programs. In Matt's one-on-one coaching skills training program, you and he will work together over the course of six months to help you Your people identify and remove barriers to their success, which means that they'll be happier and more productive, increase motivation in your individuals and teams, so they'll focus on customer needs, enable your people to welcome change and search for new customers, markets, or other opportunities, and adopt the coaching programs you are training and developing your people every working day. You'll be far less reliant on formal training and achieve far more from a limited training budget that it can provide. All of this is applied real time in your own business. There are no role plays, case studies, or any classroom assignments. And I don't know about any of you, but I am thrilled that the program has no role plays. So uh, join me today as I welcome Matt Summers. Hello, Matt. Hello, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you. So I did a light introduction of you, but it would be great to hear from you, you know, what you currently do today and how you interact in the marketplace. Sure. So I, I guess, work at the point where uh, exec or one-to-one coaching meets coaching skills training. So I've always been, well, I've been interested in coaching as long as I can remember, uh, but probably more so in the idea of the leader or the manager as coach within organizations as opposed to the sort of the external help that's brought in. Um, and I used to run... Uh, classroom-based programs to, to teach those sort of skills. But, you know, COVID, COVID made that very difficult. And like a lot of people last year, I switched my offering to doing more virtually and, and re- rejigging it really to work on a one-to-one basis, but actually began to, to find that that in many ways worked a lot better. And it was more appealing, particularly to senior people, to do some work on their skills on a one-to-one and very private sort of discrete basis than in the typical kind of one-to-many type uh, setup that I used to work in. So last year for me was really about sort of re- reinventing, I suppose, m- myself and my program. Um, 
as a hybrid of, of working with the exec one-on-one, -on -one, but, but teaching him or her those coaching skills uh, really within the confines of a coaching program. Well, that sounds fantastic. And there seems to be a growing trend toward helping managers and supervisors build coaching skills. Are the clients for your program other coaches or are they supervisors, managers and leaders within organizations or both? Yeah, the, the, the latter, although, um, you know, I, I've always had a few kind of professional coaches, I, I think, who uh, want to collect as much uh, information and different viewpoints as coaching as, as they can. So I, I've regularly interacted with other professional coaches. But the world I know and understand, because I come from a corporate background, is the world of the corporation, Ed, you know. So I've tended to focus my work mainly on those um, leaders or, or managers, call them what you will, who want to take a coaching approach to getting results from their team. Right. Well, this is fantastic from that perspective, because as again, as I mentioned, there seems just to be a greater interest in helping business leaders transition their leadership style to be more uh, coachable and coaching, uh, demonstrating skills like empathy, humility, etc. cetera. Uh, a lot of the other coaches that we have, have had on the program have said that, you know, coaching skills per se are absent for a lot of leaders. I'm wondering what your experience has been uh, do you find that this is a void in the marketplace that you're attempting to fill or, you know, how would you describe that? It's, 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 it's a growing realization. I think that those skills, their time has come. You know, I think that um, the idea of the leader as expert, uh, which I don't know, I'm not a trained sociologist, but has probably been around since the kind of industrial revolution. You know, you're, you're the leader because you have the expertise, you have the answers, you know, more than other people and your job then as a manager or leader is to sort of impart that um and i i think that was on the way in any way and then kind of recent things that have happened um not least of which the the pandemic last year which has sent us all scurrying to our bedrooms doing zoom calls and things and dealing with novel problems you know the novel virus has created novel business problems as well so all, all of that expertise that leaders had banked is possibly redundant now with, with a small r you know and so the idea that you can kind of lead people by being the wisest one the whole time um i, I think is now behind us and, and so if that is no longer the way that you uh, achieve results as a leader what, what are you left with well you, you sort of inevitably even if you don't want to kind of move into a, a coaching mindset because the job then becomes to get results to others rather than um get results yourself or somehow sort of pull people with you. Right. You know, and I, I love that model you're describing because oftentimes people do believe that the more senior you are in an organization, the higher your skill level is, right? Such that the president of the organization is the most knowledgeable and the most skilled and the bravest and the best communicator. And we all know that that's not always the case and that they, you know, they too are human and uh, aren't perfect and need help as well. So it's great that your program works on that front. So when you think about bravery, in the workplace, Matt, and, you know, I'm actually just curious, uh, you know, a lot of coaches and like myself, who is a coach, you know, I don't get hired to help people be braver, yet it seems as though in our interactions, there are opportunities that come up where they need to be braver, that they need to have a conversation with their boss that they've been avoiding, or they need to do something with a subordinate that they've been avoiding. You know, I'm just curious, uh, I, I doubt you've been hired to help people be braver, but do you find that they 
create with you opportunities that need bravery in order to do them. Yeah, I do. I, I think that the, the things that I get hired for um, require bravery. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be articulated. Matt, can you come and help me be braver? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> I would know where to start. But the, the change that they want to make, the, the steps that they want to take re- require bravery. I think that um, to take a coaching approach to leadership requires bravery. Uh, because it's probably going to mean you are going to have to invest in the longer term uh, accumulation of results, possibly at the expense of the short term. And, and you and I know, Ed, that the short term is is all important. It's the results that week, that that quarter. You know, how have you posted your numbers this period? And if the leader is thinking, well, mm, I might not hit great numbers this period, this quarter, but actually in six months time, boy, is this coaching going to pay off? And I've got plenty of evidence kind of anecdotally in my practice that that's that's often the case. But it requires bravery, doesn't it? Because it means taking a sort of hit now and possibly getting a bit of a kicking um, in order to deliver those better results, probably better than they might otherwise have been um, some months down the track. So bravery appears, I think, in the workplace uh, all the time. All the time. And yet it's interesting, right, where you might have cultures that are very bottom line focused or very revenue focused, very uh, client communication focused, but you don't find that many cultures that as a component, I don't think the whole culture would be based on bravery, but as a component uh, has a structure around being braver at the workplace, right? That if you need to say something that you are okay saying it and won't feel judged or belittled for doing it. Uh, Some of our Guests have talked in the past about psychological safety and this environment where you know you can be who you need to be without feeling guilty or judged by others. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we just seem to avoid helping others be braver in the workplace. Yes. And, and I, I see that in my work. I think it probably manifests as, I mean, it's going back to, to what you were saying a moment or two ago about uh, as leaders, you know, we're somehow expected to have these skills. Coaching would be one of them alongside effective hiring you know leaders are just somehow magically expected to be able to run great hiring interviews they're expected to be consummate communicators and being able to speak in public you know somehow overnight when they get the word leader on the business card well it's the same as any other acquired skill you know without some sort of input or or practice etc um you're not going to have them but it's again a brave leader there's many brave leaders on programs i used to run face to face who would say you know i'm here because i'm not very good at this stuff and and i'm expected to be because it it sort of comes with the territory but what happens i think with the leader who can't find that bravery is they just kind of muddle on regardless or they they lean into some role models from their own experience who are probably the, the worst people they should sort of look to for for inspiration. And, and so these things then just kind of roll on generation after generation. So there's another example of where the, that bravery is required uh, in, in order to change that pattern, I think. Well, you must have missed the day where they distributed magic dust that makes you great at, great at all that stuff, because that's what happens, right? We've said before that, you know, I never learned bravery in high school or junior high school or college. And yet when I got my first leadership role, it's suddenly like, here you go. And magically, I'm supposed to be great at communicating and delegating and being brave and saying things to people that need to be said that maybe others have avoided. You know, oftentimes managers take on the problems of their predecessors who avoided everything. And now they have a staff of folks who are either underperforming and that you need to talk to more candidly. And yet 
we haven't really been trained and skilled on how to do it. So how about you, Matt, when you think about bravery in the workplace, what words or phrases come to mind for you? Yeah, I, I, I popped some things on a piece of paper here in front of me. Um, it includes things like speaking up and speaking out. And I know you've dealt with that on other episodes. Um, and I've also written down risking failure. To, to me, this is a big part of bravery at work is the idea of being prepared for negative consequences, you know, that I might take a step and, and it might not work out. Um, because I think one of the things that holds a lot of businesses back and a lot of people in those businesses is being too risk averse. You know, they keep everything small, keep everything safe. Everything is contained within comfort zones. So it's in my mind, very brave to to risk something going wrong for the possibility of something better. Um, yeah, yeah. And when I think about risk adversity, to me, that's very similar to bravery and very similar to conflict navigation. We're supposed to be great at those things. Uh, in fact, some of our performance assessments rate us on risk aversion or conflict navigation, et cetera. No one has trained us significantly on those skills. And you might have gone to college or taking a program on risk management, right, or risk aversion or conflict navigation, but that is an exception to the rule. You know, most of us have not been trained on these particular areas that folks feel are required in order to be <laughs> successful as a leader. And so, you know, I love that risk failure and recognizing that, uh, while I do things, I might be building it upon failures because I'm learning from them versus not doing anything because I'm so fearful of failing. And that is another cultural mandate that organizations often have, which is you can't fail here. And if you can't fail, you're not going to be risky because you're not going to risk failing. Right. So. Yeah. But everything then ends up vanilla flavored, you know, and uh, I'm not sure that anything great in any business was achieved without somebody being brave at some stage. Right. So you were mentioning speaking up and speaking out as one of the things you think about another uh, risk uh, failure. Uh, I wasn't sure. Was there a third item you were going to mention? Yeah, I think it, it, it might be a sort of a subset of risking failure, but, but risking rejection. I mean, uh, I'm seeing this a lot at the moment, you know, the, the, the salesperson that's going to uh, make that 10th call despite having been rejected in inverted commas, you know, that that word that all salespeople hate of no or, or not today or go away or call me back, you know, and but but still having that bravery. And I think it is a brave move to to dial the next number and, and risk that all again. Um, the the presenter, the public speaker that risks uh, embarrassment or, or, or ridicule in front of an audience, you know, that that kind of rejection. Um, and, and to me, bravery, I think bravery is probably enshrined in this idea of it. It's not a sort of a lack of a fear. It's it's in experiencing fear and yet somehow stepping up and, and taking action anyway. I, I think that we confuse bravery, particularly when we discuss it with children, perhaps, you know, this idea that bravery is about the, the sort of the, the absence of fear somehow. You, you know what I mean? That brave people are these kind of superhuman, uh, heroic figures that feel no fear. Well, I, I think in the workplace, it's probably more earthbound than that and it is experiencing fear and it is re risking rejection and failure but it's doing it anyway and that's the bravery that i admire well that's a context that we definitely need to get people away from because i think today more people feel that bravery is an absence of fear that somebody somehow somebody who is brave has figured out how to eliminate fear and just goes for it 
people have been, who have been brave will tell you, no, I was fearful, right? I mean, it's almost required in respect to your DNA in respect to moving forward and making great progress. So, you know, being fearful or feeling fear as part of the bravery equation is almost required versus somehow you having figured out how to eliminate it, right? It's just not, I don't think it's possible to eliminate it. I mean, fear is a deep breaded, uh, tangible uh, feeling in your body, right? That you just can't turn on and off. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think if, if coaches do anything, it's it's standing alongside people when they take that deep breath and, and make that move, you know? So a lot of the stuff that me and you understand coaching, you hold people accountable, create an action, something that you're going to measure. I think much of that is about saying, right, take that step. Uh, you'll be okay. You're going to feel fearful, but but take it anyway, and we'll deal the next time I call you up or whatever with whatever it is that's happened, because whatever it is that's happened is somehow going to be useful to you and, and fuel for what comes next. But if you can just take this step today, and it might go wrong, but that will be okay. So to to the extent that we stand alongside people as they as they take actions, as they take steps, then I think coaches are in the business of bravery. I suppose this is becoming clear to me as you and I talk today. I think so. I think a mm-hmm. uh, byproduct of our interactions are to help people build skill set and muscle around how to do things they need to do or how to say things they need to say. I think you're absolutely correct that you need to have uh, a tolerance for risk. You need to have a tolerance for rejection. Also, things we don't teach people in high school and college. Uh, you, you know, if you can be prepared to fail and then go to plan B or say, okay, so that didn't work. What's next? As opposed to, oh, it didn't work. Oh, my God, my career is over. I should never have said anything. Uh, you know, you need those capabilities and all and uh, able to move forward. So for you, Matt, uh, you know, many of our guests have shared a story that they have experienced where either they look back with pride on something that they did that included bravery that helped their career or something they look back on with regret that they didn't say or do that impacted their career. I'm wondering if you might have a story that you can share with our listeners today. Yeah, I have a story of of, of, of taking a brave step, I, I hope. Um, I recall some years ago now, this would have been in the early 2000s when I was getting my business established. And uh, we, this is my, my, my wife and I, who was a co-director of my business then and now, um, had worked with an external consultant to do a business launch. So we'd hired a room in a hotel and we worked with this guy, you know, to create a, a list of invitees, luminaries from the local uh, business community that we were going to invite. And I was to unveil this coaching practice. And I remember we, we, we got there the night before and did this dress rehearsal. And it was just disastrous you know the, the guy had kind of spaffed our money up the wall and there was no real sign of all, all this money. and we'd spent about um 10,000 uh English pounds you know so what's that about 12 and a half 13,000 US um it was an amount of money that was was a leap of faith back then and I remember the kind of the high point of this looming disaster was we had no lighting of any uh professional kind at all it just hadn't materialized and the guy was saying but if we got some torches and we shone them through these juice bottles that the hotel put out on the table. You know, we're going to have these greens and oranges. And, and my wife at this point just kind of got up and walked out. And, and I think it was some days before I saw her again. And the, the next day came round. And I think, I mean, in some ways we were lucky because only about five people from, you know, an invite of 100 sort of showed up. And they were our, our best friends. And they, they clapped politely. And we somehow got through it. 
but the, but the bravery that I remember was was coming back and thinking somehow I've got to go back to my desk the next day and somehow I've got to recover from this somehow I've got to get up tomorrow morning put my trousers on and do something at this stage I I didn't know what it, that would be because we'd invested so much in this launch event that was supposed to be um, the trigger for for lots of wonderful stuff that was going to have uh, going to happen next, you know, and, and and obviously it wasn't going to. And I can remember getting back to work the next day and somehow just sort of running the machinery, you know, starting to make phone calls again and deciding what marketing emails I was going to um, send out that day and so on and so forth. And so the bravery I remember having to access was the bravery to just carry on, you know. So. I guess earlier in our conversation, we spoke about the bravery required to take a first step. I think my experience as well suggested that there is bravery in taking further steps uh, despite setbacks. Get your head down, carry on, you know. And uh, yeah, uh, I remember feeling as if I needed to be brave and looking back, feeling quite pleased that I somehow found that and accessed that bravery or courage or whatever, because I wouldn't be here today talking to you if, if I hadn't, you know. And I guess it was one of those things as well. There's an Einstein quote, isn't there, that in the midst of adversity, there lies opportunity. Uh, and so it proved to be, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and all of that, because this sort of plan I had had collapsed around my ears. But you find something else to do. You know, you find new ways to just kind of take a step and one step turns into the other. And there we go. Other things begin to transpire. Life goes on. Right. Well, look, I am a big fan of baby steps. And I think what you're describing is persistence. That, yeah. yeah. Not just a first step, but saying, hey, that didn't work, but I got to keep going. Right. So tomorrow I've got to get back and and keep going. I thought your bravery story was going to be how you got your wife to talk to you again. <laughs> for, uh, four well, days. You're, you're assuming that she is talking to me again. <laughs> it's only been 20 years or so. You know, let, let's let's give her some time. Wow, that was a tough event, tough event. So Matt, thank you so much for your time today speaking with our listeners. How can people get in touch with you? Do you have a way that folks can reach out if they'd like to talk to you about your business or your story? Of course, yeah. So um, an email at matt at mattsummers, M-A-T-T-S-O-M-E-R-S.com is always welcome. Um, These days, I I love the interaction on LinkedIn. So again, LinkedIn slash uh, Matt, Matt Summers, um, send me a connection invite or, or, or let's have a chat. Um, I prefer a dialogue to, to a monologue, you know, so it's great when people get in contact and we can just get a conversation going. Fantastic. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your thoughts on bravery today. And uh, it's been great speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I'd appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, electronically, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.